Christ throughout all Judah. Joseph had here just doesn't go back to business as usual. But he says, here there's a situation and I need to seek the Lord. And so he commits to prayer and fasting and he leads Israel to do the same. Here, seeking the Lord is about more than just more than just a shallow prayer that might, uh, you know, say, Lord, help us or something of that nature. But the seeking here means that he is turning to God to find direction and to find wisdom to know what to do. That's what seeking here means. He's seeking directions. He's seeking leadership. He's seeking that God would show him and lead him so that he could be an example and lead others and so that they could know. So that they could know what to do. He seeks the Lord in prayer and directed Judah to fast because of the severity of the situation, which meant they would be foregoing pleasures to seek God as well, to find direction uh, in leadership. In verse 4, in verse 4, we see that Judah responds to the call and solidarity in unity. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Judah gathered themselves together. You know, when Joseph had sounded the alarm, however he did that, uh, might have been through the high priest and issuing a proclamation from the temple. He could have been gathering them together. However he did that, the nation of Israel took note and said, look at his concern. He is, uh, uh, he is uh, uh, you know, concerned. He's praying. He's asked us to fast. Now, we haven't seen the armies. We don't really know what the danger is. But we know what we see in our leader. We know that he's asked us to pray. So we're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to withhold from the pleasures of life. And instead seek God to give direction to us and to him during this time. Israel reflected, or Judah rather, reflected the concern in their leader. And they followed suit. They prayed. They fasted. They sought the Lord. They wanted direction. They realized the severity of the situation. And you know what? They didn't need to see the armies for proof. There's a whole lot of things in the world today uh, that we're facing in this, in this time that we just don't have answers for. When we hear reports, are we getting the truth? Are they being sensationalized? What are the numbers? And, and, and what are the dangers? And, and what's going to happen in the next days? And all? We don't know. We don't have any idea. But... Just because we can't see it and we can't quantify it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be concerned in prayer and asking God for direction and wisdom in our own lives and as a church as well during uh, this time uh, that we are facing. So we see that Judah responds, they unite, ultimately seeking the Lord is the greatest thing that we can do to find direction and leadership during such times. And that's what they're after here. That's what they're doing. Notice, beginning in verse number 5, some things we can learn from Jehoshaphat's prayer. The prayer that he uh, uh, brings unto, unto Judah, he gathers them together in the congregation. In verse number 5, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, so this is his prayer, this is what he brings. Notice here first in verse number 6, that he Reminds Israel, or Judah rather, and us of God's greatness and power. They needed that. 
They needed to be reminded that God was sovereign, he was omnipotent, and that he was in control of all things, even the army that was coming against them at that time. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? You see how as he approaches God, he for his own self, for his people, but even in a much greater way to worship God, is proclaiming his sovereignty, his power. The fact that he is infinite and unmatched. The fact that he is able to do whatsoever he pleases in all things. We need to be reminded of that today. That no matter how uncertain we are about uh, the next days and weeks of life and what they may or may not bring, God is not uncertain. God is certain. God not only knows, but is planned in purpose, and it is all in his control. Every last part. And so he reminds the people of that, and we need to be reminded of that too, that God uh, is great in power, in might, and in wisdom. Uh, uh, in, in, he is never uncertain in any way. We need to focus on that right now. We need to be reminded of that. Leave here this morning after hearing all the news reports and talking to whomever you've been in contact with about everything that's swirling, be reminded that God is as solid as a rock, that he is in control, that he is on his throne, that he is purposing and planning in this world just like he was a week ago, a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, and he will continue to do that no matter how uncertain life may seem to us. God is always certain. Secondly, we see in his prayer in verse number seven, he praises God for his provision and commitment. Verse 7, he says, Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? I have preached from this passage several times over the years, but never before has verse number 7 stood out so much to me. After saying in verse 6 that God is powerful and sovereign and 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 in control of all things in verse 7, he reminds Israel that he's our God. He's not just the God of the universe, the God of all creation, not just sovereign in the affairs of all men. He is that. But let's bring it a little more personal, Josephat says. He is our God. He is our Heavenly Father. The one who makes our provisions for us as he granted them the land that uh, they were therein and that cared for them, as he says here, they had driven out the inhabitants, gave them that land, even as Abraham in verse number 8, it says, and they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name. They dwelt with God in this place. So he is powerful and omnipotent, and he is their personal heavenly father, their Jehovah. What a powerful thing to be reminded of in such an uncertain time. Let us be reminded of that too. As God sits on his throne today, he is our heavenly father. In the Gospel of Luke, it talks about how that if a father on this earth knows how to care for his children, and we do, then certainly the heavenly father knows how to care for his children, and we know that he does. And he brings that provision and care because he is our 
Heavenly Father. And then thirdly, in verse number 9 in Jehoshaphat's prayer, we see that he highlights God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness to help and to hear. What blessed news that is for us today. That God stands ready to help, to hear and to help. Notice in verse 9. If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. What a blessing. What a blessing. He's talking about the temple, of course, where God had placed his name, where he dwelt among the people. When Solomon dedicated that temple, he asked of the Lord this thing. He asked the Lord that if the people would pray in the presence of God at this place, and then later he amended it to say even to pray towards this place, that God would commit himself in faithfulness to hear and to help throughout the coming generations. And God agreed, and from that time forward, Israel had the promise that no matter where they were, whether they were in exile in Babylon or whether they were in Jerusalem here like they are now, that if they pray in the sanctuary or towards it, they are praying to God and he has committed himself to hear their prayer. To hear their prayer and to help based on that prayer and on that need. And so it may seem today like God is removed. Why would he allow turmoil to be uh, surrounding us so much? Why would he allow these things to, to come to pass and all of that? I don't have time to get into that this morning, nor do I have all of those answers. But I do know that he stands ready to hear the prayers of his people at any given moment. And we ought to be praying. I call on every household represented here today to make a special time of prayer every single day. Not just at the meal time, not just whatever your other normal routine of prayer is, but gather those in your house and pray together. Not towards a, a building now. We pray in the name of uh, Jesus Christ through the Spirit to the Heavenly Father and ask God to work and bless. He stands ready to hear our prayers. Let us pray. But he also stands ready to help. What a blessing that is to us right now. We can talk about God's sovereignty and say, well, God's going to do what he wants to do. And that's very true. He will accomplish his plans and his purposes. But he also directs us to pray. And if we call on him for help, he has promised to help. We're not going to balance all that out this morning. Maybe not even in all of our lifetimes, but I know that if we pray to God, it does affect our lives in a way that if we don't pray, it doesn't. And so we need to be in prayer. We need to be asking God for help. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat begins to do in verse number 10. In verse number 10, he begins to tell God about the situation. How many of us do that? I mean, in prayer, how many of us really tell God about the situation? I know a lot of times I'm guilty of really not. I just simply uh, uh, pray, asking God to bless, uh, you know, whatever I might term the situation quickly. But I don't go into details when I pray very often. But Joseph does here. Maybe we miss out on something in that. 
Sometimes we just say, well, God knows and he does. But here Jehoshaphat begins in verse number 10, and he says, And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, with whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. He says, here's our problem. You have promised to hear and to help. We hear Jehoshaphat says, God, I'm telling you what our problem is, and I'm telling you we need help. We need help in this situation that is uh, here in front of us. In verse number 12, he brings that plea for help to a point or a climax. He says, Our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. The third action, or the second action, rather, of Jehoshaphat here after he was struck by fear, that fear motivated him to act. His first action was prayer. His second action is, in the midst of that prayer, he's not afraid to admit that he does not have any idea what to do. And that left to themselves, they'll simply be overran. They'll simply be overtaken. That they had no hope of turning this enemy back on their own. That they needed God. Don't be afraid to tell God that you need him. And that you need him to work because you have no idea what to do. I've said that to God many times. How that in this situation, this decision, this movement or, or whatever. I don't know what to do. Show me what to do. Uh, or else we're going to be overran. And, and really that's where we need to be. That our trust and reliance be upon the Lord. Our, not, our eyes, he says here, we don't know what to do, but we know where to fix our eyes. We know where to lean. We know where to trust. We know where to plea for help. We know to come to you, oh God. That's where we need to be today. Admit to God. Admit to each other sometimes if we need to. Hey, I don't know what to do. I'll be honest, when it comes to uh, uh, conducting services, I want to have every service, every single one. That's what I want. That's what I desire. I believe that under most circumstances is what God is pleased with. But I'll tell you, I don't know what to do when things uh, or if things move from where we're at now. Pray that God would help and direct and give us all wisdom, all wisdom to do that which is prudent in our lives and in our situation, keeping our eyes fixed upon him is key. Fix him upon him like Peter walking upon the water. Fix your eyes upon him. Peter had to go through the storm. He had to be out in the elements. He had to be exposed to what was going on. And we have no choice in this world but to be exposed to things shutting down and uh, rhythms of life being disrupted. Uh, but we can weather the storm keeping our eyes fixed upon him just like Peter did as he walked on that water. We need to do the same today, as he says there. Hold your place here and turn back to Joshua chapter 3. As we looked at Joshua last Sunday evening, I mentioned this verse, uh, these couple verses, as some of my favorite in all of Scripture. We're going back in Israel's history, of course, to, to when they went into the Promised Land, where they find themselves encamped on the plains of Moab, about to cross over the Jordan River. They were about to do something they had never done before. They were about to be given the promised land, but in order to receive it fully, they had to fight. There's a lot of ways they had to trust God and follow him 
A lot of things they were going to see, a lot of things they were going to experience they had never experienced before. So we notice here in Joshua chapter 3, verse number 3, And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know by the way which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. You see what he's saying there in verse number 4? He's saying, follow God. Simply, that's what he's saying. When they broke camp, they needed to make sure that they followed the Ark of the Covenant. He said, stay back to prescribed distance, because... If they were not priests, they could not touch it nor come unto it. And even the priests could only touch it in certain ways. At certain times, had to carry it on, uh, basically on sticks through rings. Right? I mean, that's the way they're to transport it. But he says, make sure you keep it in view. Why? Because you've never been this way. You haven't experienced this in past. So you need to make sure you're looking unto God, especially in this time. And the leadership that he provides. And following that spirit of the Lord as it goes forward. But I also love what it says in verse number 5. He promised them, though it was unsettling times and exciting times at this point for them. It says in verse number 5, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for, the, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. As long as we are looking unto the Lord and keeping our eyes upon him, we always have that hope. We we'll always have that promise that the Lord will do wonders among us. May not be tomorrow, as he was telling them, tomorrow they would see the Jordan River parted and, you know, crossing through and the things of that nature. I don't know what we'll see tomorrow. I don't know what we'll see the rest of today. But I do know every day that we live and breathe, we have the opportunity to see the wonders of God at work in our lives in a, in a, in a multitude of ways. Sometimes we have to experience the uncertainties of life to be reminded of that. And we're certainly uh, being, uh, uh, being brought to that place even now. Go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and see the third action of Jehoshaphat. So his, his fear struck him that led him to pray. During that prayer that also led him to admit. I mean here the leader of Israel, the king, says to God, but also in the earshot of all of Israel, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And so... He's not afraid to admit that. And then action number three is going to be <clears throat> respond and rest in the Lord. Action number three we see here beginning in verse number 14. Another interesting thing we're not going to dwell on much in verse 13. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. They didn't shy away from doing this all together, every one of them. Everyone, even their little ones. Their children would, of course, be anyone underage, not considered an adult yet. Their little ones would be their infants, you know, their toddlers that didn't have understanding. They did it all together. They didn't shy away from it. They didn't, they didn't hide. But they said, here, we all need to be uh, seeing that, that shows the importance. Again, here in verse number 14, the third action then is going to be rest. Here and rest. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, 
Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. The Lord promised to hear and to help. And in their case, they didn't have to wait too long. They heard from God almost immediately. In the midst of them, there was one that God spoke through as a prophet. Delivering a message unto Jehoshaphat and unto Israel. They uh, received this message. Their help, just like ours, comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, as the psalm goes. The Lord answers them through this prophet and tells them not to be afraid nor dismayed by the great multitude. Isn't that a great response from God? God shows that he's heard. And from God, he says, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. What is happening here at this time? But notice he also doesn't say, just forget about it. Or he doesn't say, ignore it. He just simply tells him, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I'm working. He says here, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Or, or it's mine. It's mine. They were not to be overwhelmed because they were not dealing with this alone. And again, neither are we. We have each other, as we've already mentioned, but to a greater degree, as we see here, God reminds them that they had him to help. And he says, I'll fight this battle for you. It's not even yours to fight. That's where we find ourselves today. It's not ours to fight. It's not ours that we can really do much about uh, uh, except to show wisdom and prudence about uh, uh, you know uh, keeping what distance we can and, and and the hygiene things, all of that. You know, you know those things. But we can't control what the government's going to do. We can't control what stores are going to do and what supplies. We can't control those things. But you know what? That battle is not ours. That's God's. Just as we see here, and uh, they were reminded. That the battle they were faced with was God's. And God would bring it about as he would. And he would do as uh, he pleased in it for them. And that's what we need to be reminded of today. Don't be overwhelmed thinking that it's ours to fix. Or ours to completely understand. This is God's battle. He is the one that is in charge and in control of it. But notice here in verse number 16. He has something for them to do. And I think this is key. This is key and we can really bring this into our lives. Even though the battle was God's, that did not absolve them of responsibility to act and to work. They had to do so trusting in him. Verse 16, tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they came up by the cliff of Ziz and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. He tells them here in verse number 16 that he had an action for them to, 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 to do. There was a role for them to play. And they needed to, uh, in this case, go and meet uh, the enemy on the battlefield. They needed to understand that the enemy was still there. God did not just overnight make it all gone, you know, as if by, uh, so, you know, as if by miracle. We we'd all would like that, and they would have too. But he's saying they're still there. Now understand, I want you to go and, and I want you to find them. Here's where they will be. And so there are actions that God calls us to, things that we must participate in and ways that we must be involved and engaged to some degree. And, and though there may be something for us to do, let us remember that the battle 
is God's, of course, even as they were reminded here and taught. But they still had to go, and, and we're not going to read the verses, but they do go, and they uh, uh, see a great victory. They end up singing, and the battle is given to them. Verse 17, uh, uh, it's almost, you know, thinking about this, uh, it's almost like God anticipates a rise in their a fleshly fear, saying, you mean you want us to go to them? And so in verse 17, he says, Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Say yourselves, stand ye still. See the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against him, for the Lord will be with you. Now, some of this doesn't directly translate. Uh, we can't go and find the enemy on the battlefield like they did. But what it does show us is that God has uh, uh, actions or things for us to do to, to uh, be wise and to uh, combat and, and to not be afraid, not be dismayed by the things we hear and see, but to simply trust in Him, whatever they are, He has it in control. Respond accordingly, prepare accordingly, and trust Him all along the way. It may be weeks before life is normal again, but God will deliver us as He does Jehoshaphat and Israel here in a great and in a wonderful way. And then that leads us to the, the last action of Jehoshaphat, number four. And that is worship in the midst of uncertainty. Worship in the midst of uncertainty. Notice in verse 18, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the, or fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and, the, and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. What had changed in their situation? Was there still an army? that had a mass that they could not handle on their own? Yes, still an army. Still there, still very much a threat looking at it from the fleshly perspective. That hadn't changed. They hadn't gone away. Their numbers hadn't shrunk. Israel had not all of a sudden in the last few hours gained in might or strength or military prowess or resources. That hadn't changed. But you know what had changed? What had changed is that Judah called upon God to hear and to help in a time of uncertainty. And God had directed them in what they should do and uh, how they should trust in Him. And they were doing that. And hearing from God set them at ease even though the world around them hadn't changed. The uncertainties were still there. Life was still out of the normal rhythm. It would be for a little while yet. They had to go as a people and go to this battlefield and sing and then uh, they would get the uh, spoils and bring them back. And so life wasn't normal for a while. But yet in the midst of all of that, they pour out their hearts to God in praise and worship. Praise and worship in the midst of uncertainty is not impossible. In fact, we can find ourselves being drawn to God as we look to Him. So let us look to God today and find rest. Find the certainty that is missing from the world around us today. We find that in God. The battle is not ours, it is His. And let us keep our eyes upon Him, understanding that we cannot figure out what to do on our own. We need direction from God. Whether it's a simple decision of uh, going to the store or not, or whatever, whether it's a bigger decision as to uh, you know, work and other things of life that uh, you know, press upon us. Whether it's just a general concern about uh, uh, the viruses itself and all of that, God has it 
under control, but that does not absolve us from action. It does not absolve us from responsibility. We must still act and work and do as he would lead us to. Maybe that action is simply, uh, you know, staying away from other people. I don't know. Maybe that's the action in other things. So just pray that God would bless uh, this passage as it has uh, been brought to our attention this morning. And I pray, I pray that in the days to come, we'll draw strength from Jehoshaphat in the way that he responded and what his fear, that concern uh, that he felt drove him to do, drove him to God in a way, and it uh, was a great blessing to him. Let's stand. Let's, Brother Bill, come to lead us in a, a verse of song. One more time, we might praise the Lord with uh, our voices this morning, even as we read there uh, the Kohathites and